Um, since it's a rather lengthy reading, it's best if I don't read it. So Pam is going to read uh, Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 32. You're ready. Thank you. Much better than I can do. She puts inflictions in there and feeling, and I just can't do that. That's from years of doing, teaching Sunday school with little kids. You've got to get their attention and keep it, and she does a good job of that. Um, the first part of Chapter 4 uh, dealt with the believer's relationship to the church. Uh, Paul's going to shift gears here now and does our relationship to the world. Uh, you know, what we are supposed to look like. We are, after all, in Christ. Uh, we are part of his body. Uh, but we're also in the world. You can't exclude that fact, and you can't take it away. It's part of what we are. You know, in this world, there are temptations. There are sins. There are defilement. There's a lot of things in the world that need not to be what is in our lives. And that's where he's trying to get us to go. He tells us, you know, to... Uh, Unfortunately, we cannot depart ourselves from this world, but we have to live in this world. And, you know, we have a responsibility to witness to the world. That's why we're here. You know, we don't trust Christ and then boom, we're gone. We trust Christ and then we stay. And we're, the reason to stay is to be molded into the image of Christ and to be, you know, his witnesses here. 
Uh, I mean, that witness, that walk, requires a walk of purity, especially when you look at the, the, the way the world is and the world's act and the world thinks. You know, we have to be conscious not to let the world defile us. And that's where Paul is going here with the, uh, with the uh, Ephesian people is to consciously, you know, it's a, it's a mind issue. And that's where he's going to dwell with it. You know, the Bible was written for us to obey, not just study. Now, a lot of people have to be or Bible scholars and want to, you know, how much they can quote scripture, how much they can remember, and how much they can preach about, but need to obey what those words are there for. Uh, with the, uh, the writings in uh, Ephesians 4 and 5, uh, you know, the practical part, you'll see the words therefore and wherefore a lot. Or, or some will say since or so, depending on your version. You know, in chapter 4, it's there three times. In chapter 5, it's there five times. You know, because of what Christ has done, because of what God has done for us, therefore, what is your responsibility? Therefore, what does that have you to do? You know, what Christ has done for you, in light of this, here is what you ought to do, is what Paul is saying. And that's where we're going to go here now. You know, uh, James one twenty two tells us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Like I said, it's not just for us to study. It's us to us obey and us to do what it says. You know, the fact that we were called uh, in Christ in Ephesians chapter one eighteen. Motiva- should motivate us to walk in unity is what he said in, in first, the first 16 verses of chapter 4. Because we are called, we walk in unity. Now, because of the fact that we are raised from the dead, uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, therefore should motivate us to walk in purity. And that's where he's going is here is for our walk. Uh, Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 517, all deals with our walk. All deals with the, you know, the idea of we are different than the world. We need to look different to the world. We, have a, we should have a different mindset than the world. Um, Romans, Romans 6, 4 tells us to walk in newness of life. And you also see that Paul will repeat that over and over in his writings, to walk in newness of life. You know, we have been changed. And our life needs to show that we've been changed. Um, verses 17 through 19 in Ephesians 4 so this I say and affirm to you with the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance, because of the hardness of their hearts. They become callous, giving themselves over to sensuality for practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Paul wants to give them admonition, but at first is a negative. He tells them, do not walk as the world walks. We're not to, we're, we're to be different. People should know that we are different than the, what the world says. You know, then he goes on and explains why we're not to walk like the world walks, because of its, its godlessness. Um, their minds are darkened. Uh, they had not received the truth. They're they unbelieving. You know, they failed to attain the true purpose of our mind. Who created our mind? God did. He created our minds so that he can give us his revelation, not the world's revelation, 
not the world system, not, you know, that's why our minds are there. Our minds were created so we can know him, so we can go through and have the revelation of what he does and his guidance of how we are to act. Without that, you know, we are left with what the world has and what the world system is, and he tells us not to be that way. Um, It tells us that the world's thinking is, is futility or vain. Uh, it has no substantial purpose, is what he's saying. The world's thinking has no substantial purpose. It doesn't know God. It can't understand the world that's around them, and nor can it understand himself. That's where the world is at. They can't understand what, why these mass murders are going on. They can't understand why this stuff happens. They can't understand the world around them. They can't understand themselves. Well, you know, their own desires. They can't figure this stuff out. Why? Because they've excluded the one who created their brain. They've excluded the fact that, you know, he wants to give us his knowledge of what we should act and what we should do. But, you know, the world is, is like I said, we know they're lost, but, you know, they're, they have great knowledge. But how much wisdom? Where is the wisdom? Wisdom doesn't come from knowledge. Wisdom doesn't come from the world. The wisdom comes from the Lord. It comes from knowing him. And that's where our wisdom needs to be, not from the wisdom of the world. You know, they think they're wise. Satan has done exactly what he said. You know, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 through 6 tells us he's blinded the minds. He's blinded them. And that's what he's done here. He's blinded the minds of the world. The world has no idea of Jesus Christ, no idea of, of God's love. No, All they think of is, well, God's there to judge me, and I don't like that, and therefore I cut I stop with this God stuff. You know, they, they've taken it to his lies. And they've taken it to the lies, they've missed the truth. They missed the truth of Jesus Christ. And the fact that Jesus Christ is the truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what they needed, and they don't see that. You know, their eyes are blinded. And because their eyes are blinded, they're in darkness. You know, they... And because of that, they can't think straight. They have no, no concept of spiritual matters, no concept of, of God, no concept of what is proper, proper conduct. You know, the world is trying to judge itself. And we can look around and see how well it's doing. And yet, we don't want to separate ourselves and walk according to what God says. We try to buddy up with the world. And he says, uh, Paul's telling them, no. You don't buddy up with the world. You need to not walk like the world. Don't look like the world. Don't act like the world. Don't talk like the world. And yet, we do. Uh, We've allowed Satan to change our thinking, change our minds of how what God says and what God wants and what God desires. Um, You know, since their minds can't receive God's revelations, they can't understand. And since they can't understand, they will be in darkness. And that's where they are, and since they are there, they are spiritually dead. If they're spiritually dead, why are we trying to go after it? Why are we desiring the things of the world? Why are we desiring the, th- the, world's, the world's system? You know, <clears throat> they're alienated from God because of their ignorance, because Satan has done such a good job of blinding their minds. You know, because of what he's done, uh, he's hardened our hearts. They become insensitive to God, insensitive to God's ways. That's where the world's at today. They don't want to hear anything about God. They don't want to hear anything about Jesus Christ. They don't want to hear anything about, I mean, how much have they 
distorted Easter, Christmas, you know. Jesus Christ is just a little story now. It's not a fact. You know, he's not in the grave. He's not there. He's resurrected. He's alive. He's God. And they've taken it and made it into a story, like an Easter bunny. You know, that's where their minds are. And unfortunately, we don't see the danger of that in our thinking, in our minds. And we, we let ourselves walk in their way, and he tells us not to. Um, and because they have gotten to the part where they've rejected God, they're in darkness, uh, then sin is how they live. You know, they've taken themselves, they've given themselves to all kinds of sin, all kinds of immorality, uh, sensual uh, practices of every kind, impurity, and with greediness. There is no stopping. They continue want more, continue to grieve more. You know, uh, you know if, it's, if it's drugs, if it's pornography, if whatever it is, the first hit isn't enough. You've got to go get for more. That's where the world system is, and that's what, that's what they're, they're going for, and that's where they're at. You know? And when they're in that system, they have no desire or concern for personal standards or society. Look at the mass shootings. Look at what's going on in the world. You know, the, the world judges themselves, and they can't do it because they've excluded the one true authority through their minds. Um, if you want to summarize it, the world's walking the wrong way, and yet why do we want to follow it? Why are we going to follow that direction of walk? We are told to walk a different direction. We're told to walk after the Lord, you know. Um, In verses 20 to 24, since he tells us not to walk that way, uh, he then just goes and says, And you did not learn Christ in this way. Indeed, you had heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. And in reference to their former life, you lay aside the old self, which has been corrupted in accordance with the lust of, the, of, of deceit, and, yet, and that you have renewed in your spirit your mind and put on a new self which is in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. The Christian life, according to Paul, should be radically different. You know, it shouldn't look like the world. And Paul wants to reinforce the admonition to, and again, he emphasizes the mind of the believers. Uh, to learn Christ... It's talking about a personal relationship with Christ. It's not learning about Christ. That's what the world stopped at. They learn about Christ, but they have not learned Christ. We don't have to learn Christ the way the world learns Christ. We need to learn how to have a relationship with Christ, a personal relationship. You know, we get to know him better each day. That's what he wants for us. You, know, you, you have to learn Christ uh, is what he wants us to do. Have a personal relationship, relationship based on the truth, based on the word of God. God has taught us the truth. He has given us the truth. Jesus Christ has said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We have a world system that can't find truth. The truth changes with every different president. The truth changes with every different economy. The truth changes with every different country. You know, the truth changes in the world, but not with Jesus Christ and not with God. He is the truth. He is the way. And that's the way he wants them to do. He wants them to walk in the way, not according to the examples of the world. 
he's being very plain and very obvious here. And you know, we walk after the world. Why? Because we're not letting our minds change. We're not. We're following what they do blindly. And that's exactly what Satan likes, and that's what Satan wants. He wants us to follow the world blindly. Salvation. When we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, you know the fact that he died on the cross for our sins to give us eternal life. That is not the end. That is the start. It starts because it results in a brand new position. We're now adopted sons. We know we now have a father. We call him Abba Father. We have an advocate we can go to. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. It's changed our citizenship. Now we have a dwelling after here in heaven. You know, he has done so much for us with this salvation. And you know, it's simple not to follow the ways of the world because you can't get that stuff through the world. You only get that through Christ. And since we have changed our citizenship, since we have changed who we are, um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all new things have come. We changed who we are. We're a new creature. We are now children of the king. We are now, you know, promised. We are a part of the promise uh, that he has for us. You know, we are not the same as we were. Since we had... He has changed us. We are a new creation. We are a new creature. We are his, his jewel. This is what God wants us, to, he wants us to see, that you know you are different. I've called you. I've changed you. You need to see that and to change also. You know, we belong to him now. We have new ideas, new desires, and not longer be controlled by desires of the world, which are corrupt and deceitful. Like I said, the desires of the world change every day. What's important today might be important tomorrow. What was important 10 years ago, people have no concept of today. You know, the world is always changing, but we have one who is the truth, and he never changes. Like I said, Paul expected that the Ephesian people to experience change in their, in their lives. Uh, he gives them two more admonitions in verse 22. He tells them to put off or lay aside, put off the old man, uh, we see that taught also in Romans 6. Paul is very consistent in his teaching. You know, we have been crucified and buried. The old man is dead. Stop bringing him back up. Stop pulling him along with it. Uh, God has done his part. You know, he has changed us. Now he says, okay, now you need to pick up that mind and change yourself. Um, you change your clothes. We actually get a pretty good illustration of this in uh, John chapter 11, uh, when Christ raised Lazarus from the dead. Anybody can tell me what Christ said after Lazarus came out of the tomb? Yep, he told him, loose him, get off the clothes, let him go. The living has nothing to do with the dead clothes. You know, those clothes that Lazarus is in, those grave clothes, are not part of him now because he is alive. We are the same way. We are now alive in Christ we don't need to be dragging around the grave clothes. We need to change our grave clothes to our grace clothes. You know, put on the clothes that God has given us in grace. Be, you know, he has clothed us. He has, with his righteousness, he has given us the ability to change. You know, how do we change? Not by effort, not by doing, but by going through the relationship with Jesus Christ. 
We are alive in Christ, therefore we have no need for grave clothes. We need to put on, like, like I said, the grace clothes. Um, Romans 6, 4. Therefore we are buried with him through the baptism into, into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the, of the Father, so that we might walk in newness of life. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the power to allow us to walk in newness of life. It is not our power. It is God's power. And like I said, when we had that relationship and allow God to change and use us, he will let us walk in newness of life. He will lead us that way. He will guide us. He will direct us that way. Um, like I said, we are a new creation. And he, as a creator, knows how we should act, knows how we should walk. And we're going to walk in that newness of life. Um, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. In verses, uh, in the next phase, next portion in the Ephesians, verse 23 and 24, tells us to renew or, put, or to put on. And we see that in Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will. Uh, you know, salvation was the first part of a process of God changing us and transforming us into the image of Christ. He doesn't want us to be conformed to this world. And what's the first thing he says to not be conformed? is to transform your mind. That's where Satan's attacking all of us, is in our mind. And this is where Paul is trying to get us to see, you know, what the mind needs to have Christ in it. You know, you can't sit there and watch 12 hours of TV and expect the Lord to change your life. You know, we need to, we need to spend time. You need to read his word. We need to look at, we need to pray. We need to, we need to have fellowship one with another. You know, we don't need to be separate from ourselves. We need to be part of what God has designed and what God has planned. Um, you know, as our minds understand more of the words, what the Lord wants for us, you know, he transforms us and changes us into, the, into that newness of walk that we're supposed to have. But like I said, it starts with the mind. And that's where Paul's... Obviously, he goes from Romans, he, a couple times in Romans, he does it in Ephesians, he does it, he does it often, you know, the mind. Um, Proverbs 23, 7, it says, as he thinks so he, in his heart, so he is. You know, the mind is what we need to give to the Lord, is where we need to spend our time, is what we think, what we do. Um, you know, it's important to spend time meditating in the Word, to pray, to fellowship. All these things have an impact on our minds. Uh, verses 25 to 31. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one uh, with his neighbor, for we are all members of uh, one, one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Uh, do not give the devil an opportunity. Uh, he who steals, steal no longer, but rather he must labor performing with his own hands, that which is good, so that you might, uh, so we have something to share 
with the ones who are in need. Let no unwholesome word proceed every mouth, but such as words are as good for education, uh, according to the need of the moment, so that you have give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed by the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has also forgiven you. The next admonition he tells him to is to put away, or put aside, uh, put aside and lying. Um, you know, out of the heart comes the mouth. And we already see what, what man thinks goes into his heart. So, like I said, it goes from your, your, heart, your brain to your heart to your mouth. And lying, you know, uh, this is not white lie stuff. This is lying for um, the intent to deceive. Uh, you know, lying place in our world is commonplace. It's standard practice. Cover yourself, protect yourself. You know, that's how the world operates. Um, lying is the easy way out. Protect me and get someone else in trouble. Protect whatever I have, but, you know, protect it. You know, lying is easy. The truth, sometimes the truth has a cost. Yeah, I screwed up. It's tough to say, tough to do, tough to accept. But, you know, don't take the easy way out. No lying. Take the cost. Um, you know, we belong to the in truth. Jesus Christ, he is the truth, the way, the truth, and life. Satan, father of lies. I mean, he starts with everything off with lie, lying to, to, to E, oh, surely God didn't mean you're going to die. Surely, you know, he, he, he changes us so that lying is a way of life, and that's the way he is. And like I said, we have a world, you know, a world system that lying is okay. Just don't get caught. No, the truth is what's right. And if, you, if, if the truth has a consequence, man up and dare it. The Lord allows us situations sometimes to suffer a loss so we can learn. You know, um, but we belong to the truth. Why do we indulge in lies? Like I said, it's all part of what he's saying with the walking not like the world walks. And part of it is what, what we'd say on the easy way out and lying, you know. Uh, and what he tells us is, is you're all members together. The worst part of the Ephesian church is they're lying to each other. What was the first sin that was condemned in the early church was lying. Ananias and Sapphira. Lying. You know, what you say matters. And we need to see that. And we need to see that we not be part of the truth. We need to build each other up in truth. You know, verse 25 and 26 says also to put away anger. Anger is an emotion aroused when something displeases us. You know, uh, uh, it's a general characteristic of the old nature, a general characteristic of the world, you know, uh, Bad tempers. Um, before I trusted Christ, I had a terrible temper. I was—I didn't care how big you were. I was going to get in your face if you—if you did something to displease me. Uh, you know, uh, anger gets you a lot of trouble. Anger doesn't show love. Anger shows a, a weak character, a weak character of a person. Um, 
Anger itself is not sin. God was angry. Jesus Christ, when he walked into the temple, turned them over. There was anger there. But it was not sin because it was part of his judgment. We are not to judge. And therefore, we have no place being angry. He also tells us there, it's also possible to be angry and sin not. Uh, You know, settle the matter quickly. If someone displeases you, don't get angry. Approach them. Settle the matter quickly. Um, if Matthew 5.25, it says, agree with thine adversary quickly. If you have someone that's an adversary, someone who's got something against you, you need to do it quickly. Don't let it fester. Don't let it continue to go on. Psalm 4.4 4, um, says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder it uh, in your heart, on your, on your bed, and be silent. In Psalm 37, 8, it says, cease, your, cease from anger, forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil doing. Uh, you know, the fire of anger, if it's not quenched by loving forgiveness, will destroy you. It doesn't destroy the person you're angry at. It destroys you. And that's what we need to be careful and not to do, you know. Uh, don't let it destroy the work of God. Don't let it destroy what God is doing you. Don't let it stop you from being conformed to the image by being angry. If you have an anger, if you have someone displeases you, first off, pray. Second, get with them one-on-one. And two, don't fester. You know, how many times I've been angry and going to bed angry and it doesn't get any better? You need to not do that, not let that happen. Um, the next admonition is to stealing, not to steal. They, uh, you know, it's one of, of course, one of the Ten Commandments. Everybody knows you shouldn't steal, but it's something that people do. And here with the Ephesian church, uh, these were, a lot of these people were slaves, and they're stealing from their owners because their owners are mis- mistreating them as they feel. You know, they weren't trusting God to take care of them, therefore they steal. And he says, don't steal. You know, we have a father who, you know, he closed the burrs. He can surely take care of us. Um, you know, again, that's right in Satan's wheelhouse. He is a liar. And John 10.10, 10, the thief comes not but to, but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's all part of what Satan wants. And that's all part of what the world wants us to do, you know. Ah, uh, you can take that pen from work they're not going to miss it oh you can just clock out a half hour early or leave a half hour early just don't tell anybody you know rob from the boss you know that's not the worst supposed to be doing you're not supposed to be stealing um stealing in the old testament it was also a lot of goes together with idleness a lot of the people who were weren't doing things were stealing they were idle and paul's charging them not to be not to be uh, idle. Um, matter of fact, when the Lord said, "Thou shalt not steal," you know, He's letting them know that it's okay for people to have stuff. Not okay for you to take it, because that is what God has blessed them with. It's not for you to take. Um, Paul's telling them to work, and he gives them a little better than just work. He tells them, you know what? Just don't work for yourself, but work so you can give to others in need. You're not to work just so you can have a cushy retirement. 
not to work just so you have a nice house, not to work just so you have a nice car, but work so you can give. Change the mindset. Totally different what the world says. The world says, oh, it's good to work. That way you get more. And Paul's saying, it's good to work so you can give more. You know, totally different mindset and where, where Paul wants the, the church to go, you know, to, to be generous to each other, to be giving to each other. The one thing that should make Christians stand out is generosity. That's what Paul's saying, is to be generous, is to give. Verse 29 and 30 talks about the mouth, you know, corrupt speech. Get rid of the corrupt speech. Um, Matthew 12, 34 says, Out of the abundance of heart, the mouth speaks. You know, the lips, uh, the lips will speak what's built up in our hearts. And we need to have no corrupt lips, no corrupt communication come out of our lips. How's that, how's that happen? By changing the heart, changing the mind first. And that way the, the lips won't be slipping up. But, you know, sometimes we just have a hard time with that. The, the bigger reason we have a hard time with our mouth is because we've had a hard time with what we're letting into our heads and what we're letting into our hearts. You know, uh, out of the mouth you know, of the corruption of the heart, the mouth speaks. We're to, we're to edify. We're not to bring each other down. We're, not to, we're to edify and lift each other up. Um, you know, Paul tells us, you know what? You're sealed. Regardless of what the world is doing to you, regardless of what you feel, regardless of what you have, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You're, you've, God's got you. He's got you taken care of. The last admonition, of course, is bitterness. Um, you know, these are uh, sins of attitude uh, that comes from our anger. You know, uh, bitterness is uh, hostile. It's poisonous. Uh, it tears out the whole inner person to who we are. Uh, it leads to explosions on the outside, uh, hurt feelings on the inside. Uh, it's wrath, it's anger, boiling, clamor, uh, blasphemy, evil speaking. All this comes out of bitterness. Bitterness is a bad root, and we need to be careful of the bad root. We need to be careful of the bitterness. But like I said, the bitterness, all these attributes and these, these uh, admonitions come from what we allow in our minds to bring in, you know. Um, it's difficult to Christians to act properly if our minds aren't right, if we haven't let the Holy Spirit get into our mind and transform our mind. If we're going to sit there and try and take this list and say, okay, I'm not going to be bitter, I'm not going to be angry, I'm not going to talk, you know, all these things I'm not going to do, we are going to be so frustrated. We are going to be so lost in ourselves we're going to be we're going to be a person no one's going to be around because that's we're trying to do actions instead of letting the lord work through us by changing what we put in our minds that's why it's so important to have time with the word it's so important to have time in prayer it's so important to have a, a good fellowship of believers to be with uh, because allows the Lord to can change us and to transform us. Um, Psalm, the last verse, Psalm 133, verse 1, 
Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell in unity together. This all happens when God is allowed to transform our mind. That we can be one with another. We be kind to each other. You know, the bitterness, the clamor, the, the, the lying, that doesn't exist because we can dwell together because we who he is and what he's done. And because, you know, it leads us to be tenderhearted, which means compassionate. And we just have compassion, you know, not just essential, but a desire, you know, to, to be with one another. A desire to help, a desire to pray for. We're forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven us through Christ. All this because we let him transform our mind. Um, you know, God is, has been gracious. His kindness is good for us. Uh, he's forgiven us, and he continues to forgive us. It doesn't get to a point where God says, you know what? I'm done with you, Jim. How many times have I got to correct you for this? How many times? God is not going to be that way. God's going to continually reach down and say, I forgive you, I will chastise you, I will correct you, but I want you to transform your mind. I want you to follow. Um, Paul ties each one of these commands with a spiritual truth or, uh, or an admonition. Um, he tells them to tell the truth to one another because we're members one with another. He tells them to control their anger and says, don't give place to the devil. He loves that little spot to just work, at, work against us. Uh, he tells us to work, to not to steal. He tells us, change your mind so that you can give. It's not what you can get. It's what you can give. He says, you're sealed from the day of redemption. No one can take us out of his hands. No one can take us out from where we are when, and God has us. God has forgiven us. You know, what Paul is saying, there's doctrine, and now there's duty. Okay, you've got the doctrine. I've taught you the doctrine for three chapters. I've taught you that, you know, Christ died on the cross for your sins. I taught you your new creature. I taught you what God has done. Now there's duty. Let your mind be transformed. Let God change you. You know, we have twin blessings. We have the, the body of believers as a blessing. And we have to walk with Christ as a blessing. Great blessings we have that God has given us. And all because he has given us the doctrine. And now he says, you have the knowledge. Now use it. Let's close. And Father, again, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for Paul's teaching, Lord, to help us see the futility of the world's thinking. And the fact, that, Lord, that we need to put your words into our minds, into our hearts, that it, it can dwell in us, it can transform us, it can change us, and, and move us to be the image of your son. I pray that you give us each one strength, Lord, to, to stand against the wiles of, the, of Satan, Lord, against his, his, uh, his lies, against his, uh, his stealing, Lord, that, that we can rest upon what you've done for us. And know that you care for us. Know that you love us. Know that you've sealed us and you have much more for us. And, Father, that what you've done requires us to be a light for you. And I pray. Amen.